0: Welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host, Paige Geidel, and I am so stoked that you found us. We are a community of creative Christian women in their 20s, and you are invited to be a part of it. Each week, I invite a guest on the show to chat about all things marriage, motherhood, homemaking, small business, and following Jesus. My friend, there is a seat here for you at the table, and I so hope that you choose to be a part of this community. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host Paige and I hope you guys had a great Christmas. I hope you're gearing up for an awesome New Year's, New Year's Eve. I'd love to hear what you guys are up to. We are getting to spend some time with John's family in Nebraska, which we are really looking forward to, the girls seeing all their cousins and all of that, so I am so excited. Today is our last episode of 2021, which is crazy, you guys. I can't believe 2022 is in just a few days. Days, gosh, that's wild. But today's episode is with my friend Hayden Loalbo, and Hayden and I have become friends through Instagram over the last couple of months, and it has just been such a joy. She shares so vulnerably about health and motherhood and loss and I actually wanted to share that today's episode might be sensitive for some of you because we are talking about miscarriage and loss and so if that's something that you have walked through or you are sensitive to then you might want to consider skipping today's episode if that doesn't feel like um, the healthiest choice for you. And that is totally okay. I just wanted to add in that warning if that is something that you are feeling sensitive to right now. So it is a really powerful conversation about the two miscarriages that Hayden walked through earlier this year with her husband, and she's now pregnant with a rainbow baby, which is so exciting, but she really just shares how God has met her in the midst of all of that, along with a bit about her job, styling homes, um, which is really fun, and about her marriage as well. So it's a really special episode. I know you're going to love it. Let's dive on in. Hayden, welcome to the podcast. I am so glad that you're here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Totally. We were just talking for like almost half an hour and I was having so much fun. I was so sad to like wrap that up. But I know we'll get to some more... Of the things that we were talking about later in the show, so we got connected on Instagram. I feel like that's my script nowadays. It's how I meet all (laughs) of these friends, but I love it. It's a good reminder that Instagram, like, can serve a good purpose. Um, But we are both into natural living, and I just have loved following you and your health journey. Um, And. That's actually going to be a huge part of the episode and what we're talking about today, especially around pregnancy and loss um, and how your health has tied into that as well. But I would love if you would be willing to share a bit about your family, what you do, and where you live. Yeah,
1: So I live in Virginia Beach, Virginia with my husband, Landon. Um, We have a year-and-a-half-year-old black lab. Her name is Buckets, and she sheds everywhere, Um, which is, you know, fun, especially when you have that, you know, the whole neutral aesthetic going on and you have a black lab that lives in your house. It's quite, (laughs) quite the adventure. (laughs) We own, like, three vacuums, and it's great.
0: Which one is Um, your favorite? Because I'm picking people's brains.
1: So I bought the... I've okay, I've always wanted a Dyson, but I could not get over the price tag. And yeah. so, I recently bought the Shark cordless vacuum. Um, if you need a new one, I'll send you the link. But it <laughs> is amazing and works so well. It's the best cordless vacuum I've seen. Um, but we have a three-story house, and so uh there <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. So The cordless one is great because we can vacuum the stairs, but, um, I actually recently found a Dyson, like a, like a corded Dyson vacuum that was used and literally got it for free. And it is amazing. I completely understand the hype of the Dyson vacuum now. Um, so it's corded and it's very heavy, so I can't use it on things like the stairs, but it's awesome for carpeted areas. So yeah. I've tried like every vacuum, so if y'all need a full rundown on vacuums,
0: (laughs) I'm your girl. Oh my gosh. The amount of time I've spent like reading vacuum reviews and blog posts is ridiculous. We have a nice one that my grandma gifted us, but I just can't get over like the cordless situation. It sounds sounds We
1: watched We watched vacuum videos on YouTube for a full hour. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, I feel I think better. We literally owned five. We've been married for less than two years. And I think we've had five different vacuums since we've been married because either they couldn't keep up with the dog hair or, like, my husband would use them and break them. And, like, they would just be too, like, flimsy or cheap anyway. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm glad you found a good situation. <laughs> I actually – okay, you mentioned your husband. And I want to hear how you guys met because you've been married for how long? About a year
1: and a half. It'll be two years in June. Okay. So yeah, about a year and a half. It's actually quite the funny story because we are from the same town, um, but we actually met in Nicaragua, which is just crazy. I had basically, I had been to Nicaragua twice already um, doing missions work in high school. Loved it. It was really the place that I like Met Jesus. Like, I had grown up in the church, but my relationship really was like my parents' relationship with the Lord. And, um, it was really the place that I, like, really met Jesus. And I was actually preparing the summer that summer, um, for a mission trip. I had just graduated high school and I was actually about to leave the country for almost a year as a missionary with a program called The World Race. And, um, there was a church in this area that was doing another mission trip to Nicaragua. And I happened to know the leader of the trip was like a family friend and he knew I loved Nicaragua and somebody had dropped out of the trip the week of fully paid. And they were just like, Hey, do you want to go? It's free. And I was like, yes, I do want to do that. And so I went and Landon was there. His mom had like talked him into going. He was super reluctant, like didn't want to go. It was like the total like college boy, like, mom, I'm not going to do this. But then went because his mom wanted him to. And that was where we went. That was where we met. And um, so my, I always like to tell people afterwards, you know, I, I did make the first move. I texted him first, you know, my claim to fame, you can, girls, you can, you can make the first move and it'll work out. Um,
0: Oh my gosh. Was that after the trip or like during Yeah,
1: So after the trip, I remember I was at the beach with one of my friends and I, who had actually picked me up from the airport and I was like, Hey, did you see like that, that boy, like he was cute, right? Like he, like, should I text him? And she totally talked me into texting him. And he asked me on a date. And so we went on a date to a coffee shop and we talked for like hours. Literally, we sat there for three hours and talked. But the next week, I literally moved to Southeast Asia and (laughs) did not. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Did not come back for nine months. And so we would like text when I had Wi Fi randomly. I didn't even have my phone. So I would like text him from my laptop when I randomly had. Like spotty <laughs> Southeast Asian Wi-Fi, <laughs> and then um, and so we never like Facetimed or anything like that. It literally was like just text. Oh my gosh, randomly, sporadically throughout that year, and then he asked me on a date the day I came home, and we started dating shortly after that but i was like convinced he had a girlfriend at college or whatever and was like just talking to me to be nice to me or like like felt bad for me <laughs> and, like so it was it was quite the shock but
0: that yeah how- cuz so much can change in 9 months especially if you're on like a wild experience like that like you mm-hmm. change so much i'm sure and yeah. so to come back usually those things i feel like kind of fizzle out or mm-hmm. you're not really expecting Yeah, a college boy would be, like, waiting on you. That's amazing. (laughs) You got a good one. That was exactly – I know. I
1: truly thought he was, like, dating somebody else or whatever. But no, he was not. That's Um, so fun.
0: So how long mm -hmm. were you guys, like, dating until you got engaged and then married?
1: So we dated for about two years before we we got engaged. We dated – one of those years was his – Um, senior year of college. So we dated long distance that year. That was after I had come home. And then um, he actually moved home and started a job here. And so we dated like in person (laughs) for another year before we got engaged. So we like knew each other for three years, dated for two before we got engaged.
0: Cool. Oh my gosh. I've been following you for a long time. I didn't even realize because I for sure – Remember, I don't even remember what the situation was, but you were like freshly married and outside of your house, something with a car.
1: Oh, yeah, when the truck hit our house.
0: Right. Yeah, That's what full it of was.
1: wild stories. <laughs> yeah. There's, long story short, a moving truck that hit our house. They were delivering a couch for our neighbors, and the drivers of the truck attempted a three point turn between my husband's car and our house, and they did like several thousand dollars worth of damage to our house and um totaled my husband's car while it was parked in our driveway. I was oh, like yeah, th- just that just that Yeah, I totally like, know. I think you're the first person ever who's had their car totaled like while it was parked in their driveway. <laughs> like how do you explain that to insurance?
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's insane. Yeah, it was crazy. Okay, you also have the coolest job ever, but I don't even know what exactly your job description is. I just know you've like posted here and there, and I'm like so intrigued. I want to know more.
1: Okay, it's so funny because people always ask me this question, <laughs> and I always laugh because I. So my technical job title is marketing and design supervisor. Long story short, though, I work for a small construction company. Um, they're like a small medium home builder new construction home builder. Um, But we only have like less than 30 employees. And so it's kind of one of those things where you work for a small business. And so everybody like has a job title, but it's like kind of fake because you do 800 things. And so the way that I got into it, Uh, is what people always ask because they're like, how do I do what you do? Because some of my job looks really fun and it's like staging and decorating houses. And that's what I usually share about because that's the fun, exciting part of my job.
0: Totally. Um,
1: and I, but I also do like Google analytics and things like that, like the more nerdy marketing side. And then there's like the creative marketing side and I kind of do them all, um, But the way that I got into it was actually a super God moment too. So when I was moving, when I was coming home from the world race, my intention actually was to go to Auburn University. Um, I had applied like while I was on the race and uh, was planning on going, had been to freshman orientation and everything, like had, had my classes. Was It was the week I was supposed to move into college and – I just felt the Lord telling me to pump the brakes, basically, and to not go, and I was super confused because I did not want to live with my parents, but I had about $3 to my name and was like super broke missionary, And but I did that. I, li- I dropped admission to Auburn. I enrolled in the community college near my house. And I actually went back to my high school job, which was working at Starbucks. And <laughs> I just remember standing in Starbucks, literally looking down at my shoes one day and be like, where, like, what is going on? And it was like this season of, um, I always compare it to Noah. Like when Noah came back from, like came off the ark and he literally goes into like midlife crisis mode like he it's like I was just doing this like like on this grand adventure for the Lord and now I'm like back here and I'm supposed to farm the land like what is this like what am I supposed to be doing now and that's what I felt like I was like okay I just got back from this grand adventure and now I'm like making frappuccinos and I'm covered in milk. And I'm like borrowing my mom's bicycle to even get to work because I don't have a car and was just in this weird season. Um, And by the grace of God, I somehow managed to end up at a leaders meeting for this ministry, Young Life. Yeah, it's big in some areas. And Um, I basically was voluntold into leading Young Life. They like had me stand up and they were like, this is your new leader. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this thing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) There was a, a guy there who had been the Young Life area director for a while. And he ended up calling me the next week and was like, hey, do you need a job? And I was like, Yes. I do. (laughs) And he hired me to be his assistant, which is where I work now. Um, And like six months later, he had moved on to another opportunity. And the CEO was like, hi, we see a lot in you. You're going to take his job. And I was like, I literally was 19 years old, had no experience whatsoever, but I've been there ever since. And That's how I do it. So I always laugh when people ask how I got into it or like what qualifies me to do that job. And I'm like, absolutely nothing but the Lord, because
0: (laughs) that is amazing. Yeah, the fact that you ended up at that meeting, which you weren't planning on, but you're just being faithful. And I feel like honestly, we are in kind of a similar season where we are living in the same area that we like grew up in and went to high school in never thought we would be back here. And we're kind of like, yeah, what are we doing? We like, we're in London and California. And not that those places are like, you know, particularly glorious, but just really different. And there was a Mm -hmm. lot more going on than like what we're doing here. And that analogy, um, or I guess just comparison of (laughs) Noah being in that same position is so good. And I think something I'm really in the process of learning is just like, being faithful, like doing what the Lord tells you to do and being obedient even if it makes absolutely no sense because I'm sure um, it was easy to to kind of question, like did I really hear the Lord say that? Like mm-hmm. what am I doing living at my parents and not going to college and all these things? But obviously like the Lord put you in this position and look at where you are now. That's so I cool. know. It
1: worked out. It worked out. It's so funny because I feel like I – I don't know if it's maybe like growing up as a military brat that has made me, I don't know. It's like, I just don't, <laughs> I don't question things. The Lord's like, you're going to
0: not do that. And I'm like, all right, Lord, like, <laughs> what are we doing next? Yeah. Okay. So I would love to hear just kind of what your journey has been like with motherhood so far. I know it's been a wild year for you mm-hmm. um, and, and so much in a year and a half of marriage already. So I would love to hear what your journey was like to first becoming pregnant, if that's something that you guys mm-hmm. were planning. Um, and then, yeah, really just kind of want to give give the floor to you to share a bit of your story.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's definitely been an interesting and wild ride of a year. So, um It's funny, I never know how to answer the like, were we, were we trying? Yes. But initially, it started off in kind of an interesting situation. So I, towards the beginning of the year, started having some really weird um, medical issues and it ranged significantly. Like I was waking up and my pupils would be two different sizes and had been like, you know, having vision changes and stuff like that. And just a lot of like weird hormonal things. And um, I was put through a lot of tests and ultimately I was diagnosed with endometriosis. Um, And then I also, um, it's called hyperprolactinemia, which basically just means your prolactin or your breastfeeding hormones are really high, like higher than they should be. Which is weird because I was not pregnant. And, um, so basically, um, the doctors were convinced that I had a brain tumor that was on my pituitary gland that was causing this breastfeeding hormone to just like secrete in large quantities. And yeah. And so I, um, had a bunch of MRIs. They didn't see a brain tumor when I went back to, I was like, okay, well that's good news. And when I went back to my um, neurologist. He was like, "No, you you do. You still have a brain tumor. It's just microscopic, and we can't see it." And I was like, "What?" And he was like, "Yeah, it's called a microprolactinoma, and basically, it's like these itty teeny little brain tumors that they're they're benign. They don't do anything besides like mess with your um, pituitary gland, which can then mess with some of your hormones." And so between that. In the endometriosis, the doctors had kind of made it very clear that, like, we would have a difficult time conceiving, um, and because endometriosis and hyperprolactinemia both are, um, I don't know if diseases is the right word, but are both conditions that can affect your ability to conceive. But they typically don't have any, like, once you do conceive, if you're able to conceive, you don't typically have any issues with that. Like that was what they kept telling me over and over was like, if you can conceive, you'll be fine after that, which was not our case. Um, so we, um, ended up having two miscarriages this year. One was in March, which ended up being like the catalyst into a lot of these discoveries. And then one was in June. Um, so I can kind of – I don't know if – I can kind of talk about this as well if
0: you yeah. want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, that is just like so much to get mm-hmm. hit with. That was yeah. – you're not even at a year of marriage when you're like no. discovering all of this.
1: And mm-hmm. even as you
0: said like, oh, these tiny brain tumors, they're benign. They don't really do anything, but it's like <laughs> yes. it's still like, like what? <laughs> massively affecting you. And yes. um, I actually know you have like recently learned – about this, and I'm kind of getting into it too, but just this like pro metabolic mm-hmm. eating and stuff. I was really proud when you talked about prolactin. I was like, I actually know what that is. I <laughs> know what I've that means. <laughs> learning, but but still, that's like so much. Um, And I I can't imagine how difficult that was to hear when you feel like I don't even know if you were ready necessarily to conceive or to become a mother, but like being forced almost to think about that and to make these huge life changes and decisions um that soon into marriage is is so hard. Um so yeah, can you share a little bit about those those miscarriages that you experienced this year? Yeah, and and
1: it it was really interesting, especially with my husband, because for him, obviously it it it's very different, like emotionally for, like women and men. I feel like they just process it differently, and like, um, yeah, hard for him too to like see his wife in this situation, but then also have to like weigh the like, are we re- are we ready to be parents right now? Like, because like they said like we. They, they thought we were going to have an issue conceiving, but were we, we didn't actually know. And it was like this. So is this just this very interesting, um, thing. And then especially walking into that season where we expected to have a difficult time conceiving and then realizing that was not actually the case for us. I think that came as a shell shock, especially to my husband who was like, they told us this was going to be difficult, and we ended up in a very different boat um mm. so it so that it was very interesting and like put a lot of um stress on our marriage even and just um learning to process all of those things but yeah the so it's always interesting to talk about the first miscarriage because we actually found out we were pregnant because I miscarried not because I had ever seen like a positive pregnancy test with the first um so I um it was at the end of March and I had just like woken up to really heavy bleeding um and it was actually like a couple of days after what I thought had been just a really late and heavy period had ended um which was weird for me because my periods have always been pretty consistent and there's whole other levels of like how the Lord was preparing me for just like grief in that season as well. But, um, I ended up going to the OB and they told me their only explanation was that I had had a miscarriage. My, basically they thought my hormones would have like risen really quickly and fallen really quickly. And, but that I had had a miscarriage. Um, and so it was weird because we found out we had miscarried because, or we found out we were pregnant because I had miscarried. Yeah. So that was a, a really – um. it was really weird for both Landon and I, and we processed that very differently. Because for me, I had felt like my body had failed me. And for Landon, it was really difficult to get emotionally attached to that pregnancy or even really grieve that one because – he had never had the time to process that I was actually pregnant in the first place. So it was like, it was like just this weird whirlwind of emotions, um, all at once. And it was definitely not what we had expected to hear.
0: Was he able to be with you when you were at the OB? Not at that appointment. Oh my gosh.
1: And so he was out in the car and I'm coming out being like, uh, Surprised we were pregnant but now I'm not like it was just this it, it was such a weird thing and then especially to hear it from me and not be able to hear it from like a doctor yeah because obviously I'm sure my explanation was horrendous at that point in time because I was not at all in the right headspace to then go out and explain to my husband what had happened um and so that was really interesting. Um, and it was it, it I think it was difficult for both of us to grieve, really, because we had never had the time to process the joy of it. So then the grief was so it felt so abnormal because typically when you're grieving, you're grieving something that you knew. We had found out we had gained and we had lost at the same time. and so that was just such an interesting. Dynamic for us, and then, um, so that's what started like the months of testing, figuring out the prolactin issue and the endometriosis. They did lots of tests because they wanted to see if I had like fibroids or anything like that, and no- none of that came back.
0: Wait, I have a quick question. Can I jump in for a second? Yeah, of course. I actually had endometriosis as well. I don't know if I Still have it. I don't know how they like define when you have it or you don't have it or whatever. But had you had like painful periods or any symptoms? Because I know – the only reason I knew is because my mom had endo and so did my grandma and my auntie. And so I'm thankful. I was kind of aware of it from the time my period first started. Um, and then I ended up having a, a laparoscopy to remove the endometriosis right before we got married. Um, and they had told me at the time, like getting pregnant is the best way to kind of like keep it from growing. So I'm just curious what your experience was. Um, if you had just thought like, oh, I just have painful Mm -hmm. periods or did you have any indicators before? Yeah.
1: So it, it's super fascinating and you know, this from following my Instagram is like, I'm such a nerd about hormones and explaining all of those things I had actually known that I had endometriosis for years. So when I first came back from the world race, it was really, it was really, really bad. I had actually developed a binge eating disorder on the race that had really just expounded the endometriosis in a lot of ways and, um, made my periods a lot heavier, a lot, um, more painful. I was like throwing up, um, on my period, came back, my um, general practitioner who was just like kind of checking me out. She was like, you have ovarian cysts. You, I think you have endometriosis, but like, I can't confirm that. You've got to go to an OB. And I'd never been to an OB in my life. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I knew if I went to the OB, I would probably end up on the pill. And I just didn't want to do that. And so I ignored it. And actually when I started my natural living process, I got, I just kind of got into natural living in a, in an attempt to heal my migraines. But in the process, I ended up finding Progestins Plus and literally treating my endometriosis myself. And for two years until I got pregnant, like never had painful cycles again because of like Pro Plus, And then, um, Clary Sage was another huge one for me. And so when I went, into the OB, who is very much not natural minded whatsoever. She told me, she was like, Oh, no, you can't like you don't have endometriosis, because you're not like symptomatic right now. Like you're not like you don't have painful periods, you don't have heavy cycles. I was like, No, I do. I just am like literally treating myself. And she's like, that's not possible. You can't do that with bioidentical hormones, which over the course of two years, I had really like dug in to bioidentical hormones. And like, I could go on about those for dice, but they are so beneficial. And it really is just biology at the basic level is the reason that it works. And she was like, but it's funny because I had another patient who said they did the same thing. And I was like, yeah, it works. And so it wasn't for t- like another year that they were like, oh, wait, she really does have endometriosis. She just is treating herself. Um, and so they offered to do the surgery. Because technically, that's like still the gold standard for an endometriosis diagnosis. But I was grateful because my OB was like, you know, we've actually learned recently that the surgery can actually make it worse for people because when they go in to remove it, there actually is like microscopic bits of like endometrial lining that they are like spreading around because they can't see it and then it's making it worse. And so she was like, I really don't think you need it unless you want it. Um, and I would suggest you don't do it because it's likely to make it worse. And I will like, say I'm good. <laughs> so, um, so that was how I, I figured it out. Like I had already known for years, but I had just been treating myself. Um, and, um, they figured it out basically throughout the process of Trying to figure out if it was like an infertility issue or a fibroids issue or things like that. So
0: okay, okay. Yeah. And then your second miscarriage was in June.
1: It was, yeah, it was in June. Um, so that was when we had decided to start trying. My husband and I actually um, were in Charleston, and we were <laughs> staying with a family that had eight kids, um, and it was amazing. They were like the best humans ever um and it was in that season where we had decided like we were going to start trying and this was just like a really cool sign from the lord and we were able to have conversations with this really young couple that had had eight kids and were really strong believers and it was just a huge just confirmation from the lord um that we were making the right decision um And so after a lot of prayer and um, just saying, okay, like we're going to give this over to the Lord. We're not going to expect anything. We're not going to, um, we're not going to, you know, get our hopes up or anything like that. We're just going to start trying. And um, it was a couple of weeks after that in June when we... Um, found out we were pregnant. I had already taken three negative tests earlier in the week. It was the most bizarre thing. And then one night it was like midnight. And I was like, Hayden, you are a crazy person. You are not pregnant. But I was like, okay, I'm gonna take one more pregnancy test. And if I'm not pregnant, I'm not pregnant. Like I was just so in my head about it and it was positive. And I was like, freaking out and wanting to wait till the morning so I could tell Landon because he was already asleep and then I but I must have just been like all over the place because I like was trying to lay in bed and lay there and he rolled over and he was like do you have something to tell me And I was like oh thank god Like, like I was like there was no chance I was sleeping and I um showed him the the test and he was definitely like still half asleep and was like, that is not at all what I was expecting. (laughs) And, um, took two more tests in the morning and they were both positive and had one of those like digital tests too, that like, it was like, okay, pregnant, straight up. And I was like, I think I finally believe it now after three tests.
0: Yes. Oh, I feel like the majority of women probably take tests between you know like eleven
1: p.m. and
0: five a.m. <laughs> There's gotta be a guy on that. Oh my gosh, it's so it's so hard to to let them sleep. You gotta tell them.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. There was no way I was I was gonna be sleeping. Um, and so we were just super excited, like just over the moon, up talking for hours because we were just so excited and we wanted to we were originally going to wait um to like tell our friends and family but then we kept seeing them or tell at least our family. We didn't tell any friends. Um but then we kept seeing them and I was supposed to like go thrift shopping with my mom and I was like how am I supposed to just spend the whole day with my mom and not tell her? Like there's no way I can do this. And so I told my mom, I like put the pregnancy tests in the like glove compartment of my um, car. And when she opened it up and was like, because I asked her for like chapstick or whatever. And she was like, oh, there's pregnancy tests in here. And then she was like, wait a second. Wait, wait, <laughs> and like figured it out. And so we told my dad and like my little siblings were around. Um, and so everybody was super excited. And we were going to tell Landon's family because it was his birthday. That week, and we were all going out to dinner, so we were waiting to tell them. Um, but it was the day before his birthday. Actually, I was at work, um, and I started bleeding really heavily. Um, and I have awesome, awesome coworkers. My my whole office is um, believers, which is really cool. And that's
0: huge. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's huge. And so it, it was crazy. My bo- my boss is like a thirty two year old guy. And I I literally had to go to him. I was in the parking lot of my office, cr- like crying and called my boss and his wife is actually a PA and like told him what was going on. I think the Lord must have gifted me with some vulnerability because I don't know how many people would be like, hello, 32 year old man, I'm bleeding profusely. But like, I didn't know what else to do or who to call. And so I talked to his wife on the phone and she was like, you're probably fine. Like, this can happen. And so they, um, she was the one who was like, just go to your OB and we'll get it figured out. And so I got there and um, it had happened really similarly to the first time where they they were thinking like my hormones must've just spiked really quickly and then fallen pretty quickly again. Um, This was just a little bit longer of a process than the, than the original time. And so she, the OB was like the fact that you even saw a positive pregnancy test is really shocking because like by the time I had gotten there, which was only four days after I had taken the positive pregnancy tests my hormone levels were so low that they didn't even need to like do an ultrasound to confirm or anything that they, they knew, um, that I had miscarried. And so it was really, that one was really, really difficult for us because like I'd said, like the first time we didn't have that, that opportunity for joy. And this time it was short lived. It was Like four or five days, but it felt like an eternity. Like it felt like we had known and just knowing our families were excited and knowing like we had been so excited and it was all over so quickly.
0: Yeah,
1: um, was was really really hard um, on both of us.
0: Those four or five days are plenty of time to talk about names and what are what are our lives going to look like in a year? And that's so much can happen in that short of a time.
1: It was, it was strange too because my, uh, my family dynamic is pretty interesting to have my aunt is only a couple of years older than me, actually just over 15 years older than me. And uh, she was pregnant at the same time. And so we, had both found out like we literally were due within 10 days of each other and so it was like this all of the family was in town we were all gonna like tell each other at the same time and like it so that became really hard too because I was seeing her like in this like almost exactly where I was and then just just being so confused because, again, the doctors had told us, you know, you're going to have a difficult time conceiving, but once you do conceive, you should be fine.
0: And the opposite's happening. And
1: that was the opposite for us is, you know, after the first one, that's what they always tell you is, you know, miscarriage is really common. Uh, you'll probably be back here within a year with a healthy baby. That was what they tell you. And then to hear that three months later, they're like, you know, it's really common. You'll be back here in a year with a healthy baby, and it was like, okay, even if that is the case like it's still hard and loss, and it's still like the loss of a child and as a woman, you feel like your body has failed you, and i like I was angry with the Lord, and I just didn't understand like Lord, why do you like we felt so confident in like wanting to start trying and like why? Like why does this have to be our story? So it was really really emotional and but in that that season rolled right into being pregnant this time because we ended up getting pregnant again right away, which was
0: wild.
1: A total shock. Um, yeah. and i I always I always feel nervous saying that because it like I know it can be really emotional for people who have had miscarriages and then have a difficult time conceiving afterwards, or things like that, and I never want to be like insensitive, but that was just that was what happened with us. Yeah. we ended up um conceiving it was truly a very miraculous, like very obviously the Lord one of the things with my prolactin issue was that it was causing my cycles to be longer and longer and longer. Mm -hmm. So my ovulation window was like, which is normally like three to five days was like 20 days. Like, like couldn't figure out when I was ovulating because the, the prolactin was really just screwing with everything. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden out of nowhere, no explanation literally cannot tell you what happened other than the Lord. Um, I ovulated like day 15, which I had not done in months, and ended up getting pregnant with this baby now. And um so that was such an interesting thing because literally this baby and our last one are only were only due six weeks apart, which is wild <laughs> to to think about. Yeah. So
0: yeah. That is insane mm-hmm. i I have never personally walked through a miscarriage um, but just stories I've heard from friends and from family. Mm-hmm. I have respect for our nurses and doctors, and at the same mm-hmm. time, I'm like, we have got to do better i I am so sorry that that was like the response you were met with mm-hmm. in addition to like just the grief and heartache itself because um, I feel like that is just such a huge part of it is finding out and and that response yeah. definitely I think can contribute to some of the um just heartache and that is is maybe feeling invalidated or I don't know that's like informing you of how you should feel yeah. about it and so I'm sorry that that was like the response that you were met with both times thank you. Yeah, it is
1: it is interesting because I think it's so different than infertility in a way that people I don't think understand. Um, and I feel like our, our culture has been so, become so numb to miscarriage, like one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage, which is such a staggering statistic. And so I think it's become something that's become so so normalized and people just don't see the tragedy in it. Um, and so I think that's one area where, where we really, where we really fall short in, in serving and loving people who have, are walking through miscarriage because I I was met so many times with statements like, well, at least you, at least you got pregnant. At least you can get pregnant. I had somebody tell me, um, I know so many people who would love to get pregnant three times in one year. And I, and I just remember thinking like, nobody would want that. Like, no, no. And like, they're all, they're all intended very well. They're all, people mean well. And what they mean to say is like, wow, like you, like obviously don't have a hard time conceiving. That's a great, that's a great thing. But nobody would want to be pregnant three times in one year because it means that you've lost multiple babies. Right. And so it, I think we like, I we do this with so many things, but it's like we boil sufferings down to well, at least it's not X, or at yes. least it's not this, or you should be grateful that you at least got pregnant. And it's like we totally miss out on serving and loving those people. Um, -hmm. people who are walking through that families who are walking through that, even my husband, like not having any sort of like community. And like, if, if people do ask how you're doing, they're not asking him, they're asking me. And, um, so it's just, it's, it's hard because I think there's such a desensitization
0: towards miscarriage in our culture. right? And I feel like people don't know what to say. Um, or what to do. It's mm-hmm. loss, especially with children, I think makes people very uncomfortable, which is so sad. It's like understandable, but like, <laughs> how can we be loving people better? And I, I'm so thankful that you were surrounded by believers at your workplace because, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, thinking about how common that must be for people, for women who are like miscarrying at work. Like, what do you say? What do you do in yeah. that situation? Do you, how do you like carry on um, while you're experiencing that grief? There's just so much there. And so thank you for sharing sharing a bit about your experience. So what are – we're already kind of talking about this, but what are some things that you just wish that people would know about miscarriage or just some ways that like we can respond to friends who are walking through this um, and into loved ones? What are some like phrases or just like – Yeah, simple things that we can do. Um, And I know everyone's different, so I don't want to like blanket it and Mm -hmm. be like, if you've had a friend going through this, this is like the formula. But what are some things that would have been helpful or comforting to you, I guess?
1: Yeah. I think like you said, you know, loss of a child is so uncomfortable for people. And and because of that, I think as a society, we tend to like (laughs) – Tiptoe around it or say things that are really insensitive. It's like there's not much middle ground. And so um, for me, I would say one, the most helpful thing to do is to think about it like you would think about the loss of a child, like a newborn or a toddler or in, in any other child like if and if you if you would not say if we wouldn't say it to somebody who has just lost their two-year-old we should probably not be saying it to somebody who has just who has just miscarried because people may feel differently but to me like it it is such a similar thing and like if we truly value life the way that the Lord values life like We shouldn't be treating them any differently. We shouldn't be treating the loss of a toddler differently than we're treating the loss of a baby in the womb. And, and that is, I think it's something that's difficult because culturally, a lot of people don't see it the same way. Like they don't even see you as a mom, but like recognizing if you, whether you have walked through miscarriage or, you know, someone who has walked through miscarriage, like I actually had a coworker sit down with me and he was like, you are a mother. Like you have, you are grieving the loss of your children. You are like, and just someone who is able to sit there and speak that over me. Like you, you are a mom. Like your husband is a dad. Like you guys are so, you're so, warranted to have the feelings that you're feeling you are so um in the right for grieving because you have lost your children and um I think a community of people who are are willing to sit there with someone in this season of loss and and recognize like this is your child and
0: yeah validating that
1: a child, like, because you feel, you feel crazy sometimes. Like you're like, why am I so emotional? Like I only knew I was pregnant for four days or I didn't even know I was pregnant until I found out I had lost. Like there's so many emotions and so many things that run through your head. And so just people that are willing to sit there and say, no, you are grieving and that is a good thing. You should be grieving because you have experienced loss um and then just being willing to be there through the process um like people don't realize like in a lot of ways like I've never experienced the postpartum season but like just learning through being pregnant of like postpartum goes a lot longer than like the couple of days after birth you know what I mean like it's it is a it is a season of recovery and um physical, physical symptoms. And it's the same with miscarriage. It's, it's not like a, a one day process. It is, it is weeks at times. Um, and so I, um, like just a community that's willing to sit there and be there for you, even in the physical, um, the physical aspects of like, do you, do you need anything? Do you, like how? What are ways that you can serve that person? And like you said, Paige, every everybody is different, so there's not really a way to like blanket, um, to blanket, you know, cure all, but validation and then being willing to to be there
0: are um, mm. huge. Yeah, that's so good. And just thank you again for sharing your experience with that. I think I heard someone say. Once and and this again could go for grief with anything, but specifically with miscarriage, it's like I think sometimes it can feel weird to like intentionally bring it up. Um, but but I talked to someone once who's like, "You're not reminding me of the child that I lost." Like, I think about that baby every day of my life, mm-hmm. and I think it can feel especially if things are happy, right? It's like yeah. it, it can feel hard to like bring that up to someone, but um, I I know that that can actually be so meaningful like someone else is thinking about your child because you are a mother you're a mother of three mm-hmm. now and and mm-hmm. your husband too and yeah. um, just so many good things that you shared so thank you for being willing to share that and I know that's going to be um, relatable for some who have walked through this and also just encouraging for others who maybe are trying to love their people well through yeah. a hard season um, Hayden I feel like we could talk for so long and I I know there are so many more aspects to your story that I would love to get into but I think we're already at like an hour which has been <laughs> so good. Um so I want to just kind of wrap up with the same questions I like to ask every single guest. Mm-hmm. Um I'm kind of I'm actually like volunteering you for this but I I know this is something that you've shared before. At the end we'll give out um your like Instagram and information, so I know if people have more like follow up questions um, or want to learn more kind of about your story, they'll be able to do that. So I just wanted to add that in. But what are three things that you have been loving lately?
1: Oh, this is so good. Um, such a good question. I. Okay. In the past couple of days, I have started reading the book, The Body Keeps Score. And it, oh my goodness, is such a good one. It's about the brain, mind, and body and just healing, um, the healing of trauma. And
0: have you ever read it? Okay. Yes. It's actually on my husband's nightstand right now. I haven't read it all the way through, but he's reading it. I think he's finishing another book. Um, Oh my
1: goodness. Yes. I actually thought about you guys because I know your husband is a therapist and I, uh, my husband got it for me for Christmas and I have been loving it. He has been, he keeps saying like, I can't even recognize you right now because I have been not able to put it down. Um, And I'm somebody who typically like struggles with reading. And so. Um, I'm literally halfway through and I think I've only been reading it for like three days.
0: And it's not a small book. That's amazing.
1: And it's talking about like in-depth like clinical studies on PTSD and the brain and all of these things. And it's just fascinating. But like I said before, I'm a total science nerd and it's right up my alley. So um, I love it. Um, I also – my second thing has to be – actually – my husband just killed it on Christmas this year. I I uh, he got me a robe from Parachute, but it was actually after your recommendation for postpartum of having a comfy robe that yes. I even like was like this is what I need in my life. Yes, and oh my he gosh. Got me one from Parachute. It's like they're like the like gauze cotton one. Oh my gosh, it's so comfortable and
0: so comfy it's such an essential with postpartum I feel like because yes I don't know if I I feel like this is a quote normal or just typical but I was just like topless all the time (laughs) just like feeding and then you're like your milk's coming in so you're like sticky and then showers and baths are nice and you're just not wearing a lot but if you can feel cute while you're like your hormones are changing so much and you're just in that new season. Mm-hmm. It's it's a win. So that was yeah. worth it. Good for, good for Landon. That's Landon, awesome.
1: Yeah, he did a great job. And then my third one. Um, so we have an espresso machine at our house. So I'm typically like a homemade latte girl. But recently I have been really enjoying French press coffee again. Like
0: Ooh.
1: I've just been coming like full circle around – um, I feel like I used to drink French press coffee all the time. Cause it was like all I had, Yeah. Uh, but really enjoying French press coffee. And then Trader Joe's has this sweet cream creamer. It is incredible. I had never seen it before. Um, maybe I've just been missing out on it my whole life, but yeah. Um, it is amazing. So just, just some coffee, you know?
0: Oh, we love it. We, we love, love it. <laughs> How can we as a community be praying for you? Um
1: honestly just praying for um healthy pregnancy. I am officially in this the third trimester as of tomorrow. Whoa so oh it's getting real. Um and so just praying for a continued healthy pregnancy for me. Um, for the baby, um, and then, um, also the home birth process in general, and just um, preparing well for that. Um, yeah, would be would be really great.
0: Incredible! I can't wait. I want to have like a follow up conversation with you all about that because yeah, we love we love birth.
1: (laughs) I love that
0: so much. (laughs) Where can people find you and connect?
1: I am on Instagram at the Heaven Home, um, and that is really just like the hub for um, our little community. And we talk about natural living and oils and hormones and pregnancy, and I'm sure birth coming soon in the next few months. So um, that's the best place to like reach me and get connected. And I'm like you said, Paige. I would be happy to. Like, have any follow up conversations. So, don't be shy in my DMs. I am happy to answer questions. So,
0: amazing. Hayden, thank you so much for coming on. This is so much fun. And I'm glad that we got to like chat in real time after being online friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Paige. Thanks for listening to another episode of Love in a Cottage. I am so grateful you decided to join us today, and I hope you're going forward in your day feeling encouraged, understood, and inspired. If you like today's show, I would love to encourage you to share it with a girlfriend. You can also screenshot this episode and share it on your Instagram stories, which will help more like-minded women find our show. Speaking of Instagram, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and follow us? Because, guys, I promise we're super fun. (laughs) We share content there throughout the week about the show, and it's a great way to connect with fellow listeners and keep up with the guests that you might have heard. We also do fun quarterly giveaways and just share inspiring content. If you're looking for more connection, you can also join our Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes of every episode. There are weekly episode discussions and it's a great way to find friends and listeners who might be in your area. And finally, if you'd like to support us, you can please write a review on iTunes because this will help boost our show so other like-minded women can find it. Your support means so much to me, you guys. Thank you again for being here. So grateful for you. We'll see you next week for another episode.